good to not believe. Everything in you is right and perfect and clean and pure. And we come in your name with joy and gratitude for what you have done, with expectancy for your moving today. And our hope and future is set because our lives are in your hands. We are so, so grateful to be together. In your precious, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, that was our uh, Spanish uh, service uh, worship team. Are you guys grateful for those guys? And uh, man, when Natalie and Schuess, they are married, by the way, and when they do that little duet in Spanish, man, I don't know if you felt the presence of God. I do, uh, every time, every time. Well, hey, it is just great to be together. I, I love the church. I love being at church. I love Jesus. I love the people of God. I'm just so overjoyed to be here, and um, I'm going to be preaching for the next several weeks, and uh, yeah, there should be a shout out. Somebody give me, all right, thank you. We have so many great communicators, such a beautiful team here, but I'm looking really forward to diving in together because a little, like for me, this is our new year. August is New Year's in Waco. The weather is a little bit different than New Year's, uh, but this is where we, all wheels start rolling, school begins. We have 20 plus thousand college students come to our city from around the world. We have new people moving in. Everything gets started. Everything gets going. And so it's so important that we reconnect, reconnect with God, reconnect with the people of God, and reconnect with God's mission for our lives. Because what happens is when these windows happening and life gets rolling and you feel disconnected, you end up taking a ride where sometimes you don't want to go. But when you get connected rightly, when there's transitions and momentum, you find yourself right in that pocket, right in that lane that God has for you. And for us today, today's one of those days where we're just, the goal today is just to connect you, everything we can possibly do. Did anybody get the big card? You got the little card, which is the prayer. Hold this up if you got the big card. If you didn't get the big card, raise your hand. If you need a big card, I got a few ushers around. If you didn't get one of these cards, raise your hand. And I'm being very purposeful this morning before I preach here is we want you to put your name in there, cell phone, uh, email. You know, the, uh, the funny thing about today is everybody has your cell phone anyway. You might as well just put it on there. If you haven't noticed, people can find it. We're not going to. We're not going to do that. But anyway, here's the point. I want everybody to fill this out because, and you'll take a quick glance at all the opportunities to connect. Now, this isn't all of them, but these are 19 of them. They're all represented out in the foyer. So you, your roommates, your friends, your spouse, whoever you've come with, you want to make sure go by and connect. By you ticking off one of these boxes and checking off, all that's telling us is that, hey, I'm interested, want to find out some more information. This is not you signing your life away. Uh, this is simply letting us know you're interested and you want more info. And when you walk out, drop it in those buckets uh, on each exit. That allows us to get connected with you and you to get connected with us. One thing I know about church life, and that is this, if you don't find a missional outlet, eventually you leave. And I would say God, God and his purpose for your life, let alone the people of God in the church. We connect through our love for Jesus and his mission for our life and the community that he provides through that. So please, please say, God, how would you want me to connect 
as we kind of march through this morning. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to dive in. And today's a little different. I'm usually like an exhorter preacher today. I am your teacher since school's starting, and we're going to dive in deep into the Word of God and kind of go through several beautiful things about what the, in, in the Bible, the church at Antioch. And I want to say this, is that so many times we, we have to realize we're a part of a bigger narrative of God. You didn't create yourself. You didn't save yourself. We are all a part of God creating us, God saving us through Jesus, sending the Holy Spirit, and providing everything we need until we see him face to face. There's a bigger narrative. So we always go back to the word of God to find out where do we fit in God's story. We're not just trying to live our lives and find a few scriptures to affirm what we want to do. We want to find out who God is, what's his purpose, what's his plan, what's his word say, and then how do we adapt to that? And for us as Antioch, Antioch Community Church, we literally took our name from the Bible, which we're going to dive into this morning, to find our place in God's story for our city and the work that we do around the world. So let's pray as God opens his word to us. Spirit of the living God, open your word to us. Renew our minds, renew our hearts, rightly connect us. Lord, I know you're just throwing out a big net this morning to pull everybody into your heart. And I pray, connect us, God. Connect our hearts, connect us to one another, and connect us to your mission, your purpose, and your plan for us. Amen. Well, um, if you know anything about the scripture, you know that after Jesus ascended to the Father, his last words, which we've talked about often, were Acts 1.8. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you shall be my witnesses. Everybody say, my witnesses. We are Jesus' witness of the goodness of God. You become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the earth. And then again, those who are familiar, Acts 2, the Spirit of God falls. 3,000 people are saved in this city of Jerusalem. They begin to meet house to house. That church grows from 3,000 to 5,000 to 10,000. I mean, this was a happening church throughout Jerusalem that was meeting house to house and gathering in big settings like we're doing this morning. Well, they also had a call, though, not just to Jerusalem, but this place called Judea and Samaria, other cities around, and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth, because Jesus didn't want his message just to be for some. He wanted his message to be for all. So again, like most big churches can do at times, you get a little ingrown and a little kind of, all right, how can I take care of my needs? And you maybe miss the missional call of the church. So some persecution came into the church and some, as they were persecuted and they fled the city for their lives, they literally began to show up in places like Judea and Samaria. And ultimately they landed in a place called Antioch, which literally was a city, Antioch in Syria at the time. And they landed in this cosmopolitan city called Antioch, and they began to do the very things they had done in Jerusalem. They began to preach the gospel. They began to see people saved, and the church began to emerge. But the unique thing about this church in Antioch, it became a hub and a catalyst that then would begin to send people out missionally to plant churches all over the known world. Last kind of hub's place they would land is a place called Ephesus. And in Acts 19.10, it said in this church, Ephesus, all of Asia heard. So you have Acts 1.8, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And then God uses Jerusalem, 
Antioch in Ephesus to spread the gospel to the whole known world. Amazing uh, wisdom of heaven. Let's take a little picture of this real quick. We got the first map. You can see Jerusalem. They started in Israel. They went up to a place called Antioch. God moved powerfully, ended up in a place called Ephesus, and that's how the gospel spread around the world. Let's take another little second slide. All right. The church at Jerusalem planted churches in Judea and Samaria. The church at Antioch planted a list of churches there. Some of you are familiar with from the Bible. Jesus wrote letters to these churches. They planted more than you see up there, but that's the basis of what happened. But they landed in a place called Ephesus, so all of Asia heard. So why do I go into this little history lesson in the depth of this? Is because God, who sent his Holy Spirit, has a perfect plan to distribute his grace. He has a perfect plan to distribute his grace, his power through his church to touch cities, to touch hearts, and to touch homes. And when we rightly are who he has called us to be, the grace of God then uh, touches the spaces and places where it is so powerfully needed. So hey, the church at Antioch, who we have tried to emulate our lives after. I want us to all dive in. Acts 11, going to read us several passages about this church and what it was all about. Acts 11, starting verse 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and to Antioch, speaking the word of to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch, began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. The speaking of Barnabas, he was a good man. This is what you want said about you. Good woman, good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he left for Tarsus to look for Saul or Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. A couple of years later, fast forward, this church again alive in Acts 13. Now they're at Antioch in the church. There were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent by the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, sent by the Holy Spirit. Woo, that's what I want to be. Then being sent by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. All right, you're about to experience a miracle. I am going to identify 10 distinctives of the church at Antioch in 30 minutes or less. 
This is gonna be a miracle because every one of these points, if you know me, is a hour-long teaching, but I need you just to click with me because we're, once again, we're just clarifying and realigning and reconnecting to our roots and mission of God's big story throughout history so that we can fully live out our now story by the grace of God. So here we go, distinctive number one at the church at Antioch, they were common people doing extraordinary things. Acts 11.20, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So here's the deal. Before you hear about Paul and Barnabas and all these big name people, it was just some of them (laughs) came and they started preaching boldly, not just to the Jews now, but also to the Greeks because they believe the gospel is not just for some, but for all. So what I find about us is we're just normal people. We are just some of them. You know, I remember when I first got on fire for the Lord, reading this scripture, it says, God has chosen not many wise, not many noble, but he's chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. And I realized I'm in, I'm chosen (laughs) because I'm just a foolish, simple guy that's willing to believe in Jesus. And you know, that's who we are ultimately, you guys. 99.9% of us may never stand on a stage, but the witness of your life means everything for the life of our city. Every one of you not only matters, it is paramount that at the very least you have a smile on your face, you give somebody a hug, you encourage them, you pray for them. It is the the weight of the some of us that ultimately carry the day for what's happening in our city. When we first started our church in 1999, we had a, a, a reporter come from the Waco Tribune Herald, and um, she wanted to find out what's going on with this new church. And this was the front page of the Waco paper. Uh, she, the quote was, an everyday walk with God. And it's this whole deal where she interviewed us, what are you guys trying to do? So we're just trying to be Christians like they were at Antioch, trying to love God, love other people, and help folks. And there's no famous people here, just us trying to be some of them. Well, it so touched this particular gal, she did not know the Lord. She came to the Lord, her husband came to the Lord, and they were part of our church for three years before they moved on uh, to another location uh, as part of their calling. So isn't that beautiful? Just some of them, that's all we are, you guys, just common people living out our faith. That is who the people of Antioch are, and that's who we aspire and want to be. Second distinctive, people coming to Jesus through bold preaching. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Woohoo! I love that. One of the things that you have, if you've been with us a while, or if you're here for the first time, that you will learn by the time you finish your journey with us, however long that is, is how to share your faith personally. We literally have hundreds of people out sharing their faith and at the very least praying for people, waitresses and waiters and all this. And I love it. I was in Nympha's uh, a couple of weeks ago and um, we asked this gal how we could pray for her. And she said, well, you know, when people usually ask me, this is the one that I usually pray about, but I got another one today and so on and so forth. And she said, when people usually ask you and then said, now what church you go to? Oh, we go to Antioch. Yes, it's those people from Antioch that always ask how they can pray for me at the restaurant. And, you know, I call that a Bible spike moment. Just boom. Yes, Lord. We're boldly sharing Jesus, loving people, 
in the name of the Lord. And I can't, I'm looking over here at Jason Ramos speaking about bold preaching of the gospel. But one of the most beautiful things is that so many of you have so many stories of little ways of sowing the gospel to large ways. I just uh, got a text from uh, Brandon Hare, a business leader in our community. And Brandon, many, many years ago, started a prayer meeting every morning uh, in his workplace to say, hey, we need people to come to Jesus. We need people to get healed and to get help. They literally have documented hundreds of salvations, not just one, hundreds of salvations just simply by praying and then being willing to open their mouths and share in the midst of the workplace and be bold with Jesus. May it be said of us, and you know, I just want to say to everybody uh, out there, when, uh, when I first was learning to share the Lord with people, my greatest um, hurdle was fear. You know, somebody finally told me how to share the gospel so I could figure that out. But somebody said, what are the top three reasons that people don't share the gospel? And mine were fear, fear, and fear. So I figured if I could get rid of the fear, then maybe I could start sharing more boldly. And I just want to encourage you, the way you get rid of the fear is not just alone, you do it in community. Would you pray for my friend who doesn't know Jesus? Would you come alongside me? Could we do this together together? There's a beauty at being Antioch, preaching boldly the gospel. Every time you're in this building, we will preach the gospel, and we will give people a chance to respond. Third distinctive, people saw and felt the love and presence of God among them. Acts 11, 23, then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God. Another version says, when he arrived and saw the grace of God. Isn't that interesting? How do you see the grace of God in a room? Well, maybe it's a smile, maybe it's the joy, but this word witness means I experienced the grace of God. You feel the presence of God. You feel the grace of God. Um, the Earlier this morning, and this happens every week, somebody comes to Jesus either online or in this room. Every week, someone comes to someone of our leaders and says, I walked in and what was that presence? I had one young lady actually who I met in Phoenix as a young adult uh, later in life uh, saying, I came as a freshman and got so scared of the presence of God that I never returned to Antioch. And then I came to Phoenix and said, I need God desperately. Where did I find God before Antioch? She went to Antioch, Phoenix, experienced the presence of God and God was changing her life. I love that. This morning before the service started, a young man walked in here in tears. He said, I came once before and I had to come back. I need God. What do I do? And he came to the Lord before we even started the first service. Isn't that beautiful? That's experiencing the grace of God. And I want to say this, people experience the grace of God in this space and in our life groups and among our people, not because of what's coming off the stage necessarily, but because of the weight of God in you. When you bring the grace of God in the room, the water level rises. Thank you for loving Jesus. Thank you for honoring him. Thank you for praying. And as we come with our faith, it produces grace in the room. All right, number three. Number four, they were authentic disciples. This is what you want to be. This is what I want to be. Here's what it said of Barnabas. He was a good man. Wow. Full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. The byproduct was when you're a good man or a woman full of the Holy Spirit and faith, people just are drawn to Jesus. 
because they see him in our lives. Again, Acts 11.26, and the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. That word Christians means little Christ. And we've all maybe heard that if you've been around church a while, but man, I want to take that literally that it's not they were called perfect ones. They were called expressions of Jesus, that they were leaning into Jesus. People saw Jesus in their lives. And what the, one of the beautiful ways that God, that people see Jesus in our lives is when we mess up and repent, not just when we're perfect. When we have said something inappropriate or done something at work or, 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 or you know, uh, stepped on a neighbor's lawn, whatever their deal is, and we go and say, hey, I'm so sorry, what can I do to make it right? When we humble ourselves, no matter what is going on in life, people see Jesus. So this isn't trying to be perfect to be a Christian. This is to be humble and lean on Jesus. I am of Jesus. I look to Jesus. That's where I go. That's where I lean in all situations. But let's go back to this deal about Barnabas. It says he was a good man. One of the fruits of the Spirit is goodness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And years ago, I really did a study on the word goodness. And goodness is related to this whole deal of purity and cleanness of heart. That when someone is with you, they feel as if the, that, that uh, there's not another motive. That you're with them. You're for them. You only want their best. You only want to help them. You only want to serve. You're not taking your giving. And that goodness also comes from a vertical purity of heart. Like, I really want to love Jesus and love people. I'm imperfect, but I'm, I'm in it, and I want to, want to care for you. What do you need? What's going on with you? That goodness they just felt on Barnabas. He came from Jerusalem. He showed up, and everybody said, wow, there's something good about that man that I'm drawn to. And in my perspective, that ultimately comes from otherness, that I've given myself to God and to other people, and there's not an angle and not another motive. And then it said he was full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? That can be joy. That can be, of course, expressing ourselves in prayer, lifting our hands. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit ultimately means I am overflowing with God instead of self. Bill Bright, who started Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew, had two little booklets that he carried everywhere. One was uh, the four spiritual laws, four simple steps to come to know Jesus. And the other one was a little blue book called The Spirit-Filled Life. And, the, he, and when asked later in life which one was more important, of course, they both are. But he said the blue book is more important because if I can get somebody to be committed to being filled with the Holy Spirit, then they will witness wherever they go. But until I get them filled with the Holy Spirit, I can't get them to be faithful to even the things that God would ask of them. So his whole deal about the blue book, bottom line, was this. Now, we believe in the power of God, the, the sealing of God within, the power of God with, uh, upon us in every gift of the Spirit. But the basic rhythm was to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what he would do is, like, if he had a bad thought about somebody, he said, so, Lord, I let go of that sin. Now fill me again with the Holy Spirit. God, my attitude stinks right now. Blow out the bad attitude and I breathe in the Holy Spirit. God, I'm going my, south with my 
thoughts of self-hatred, I get rid of that. Now fill me with the Holy Spirit with love and acceptance. You're literally kicking the lies out and the sin and you're breathing back in the word of God and the ways of God. Right? Everybody's looking at me. This is big. And you're nudging your friend, neighbor. Yeah, you need to be listening to this thing. Uh, because here's the deal. To be filled with the Spirit means to constantly let the Holy Spirit renew your mind, your heart, your actions, your attitudes, internally and externally. And then when that happens, people get the life of God instead of the fullness of your flesh or my flesh, right? Okay, the beauty of God. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a man of faith. So yes, he believed when we say faith that God could move mountains, that any person could be saved. These incredible songs we were singing and faith ultimately is where do you put your hope and your trust? Is it in what you think or what God thinks? Is it in God's word or in your words? Is it in this culture or God's culture? Is it in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of man? And so all these words are similar but very unique. Goodness, I'm in it for others. Filled with the spirit of God, overflowing with grace. And then ultimately my faith then is exercised by praying, declaring, giving, sharing. This is a good man. And as he taught and trained others, he did it in such a way that they literally became disciples in such power that people saw Jesus everywhere they went. Woo! Let it be us, Lord. All right, number five. I'm going to get there, you guys. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm at halftime. Knew their apostolic call. All right, so Barnabas is a good man. He's accepted, he's rocking and rolling. This guy's an apostle too. He's an apostle pastor. He's a son of encouragement. But then he looks around at these people in this unique cosmopolitan city. He says, I think this city is supposed to be a catalytic city to change the world. My gifts can only take us so far. I need to go get Paul. Isn't that humble? There was this humility in Barnabas to say, hey guys, we got something beautiful going on. Let's get the right gifts in the right place doing the right thing so that God can be glorified at 10X in every way possible by his grace. And that's why we have team ministry here. That's why we have different people preach and teach. That's why we have so many of you guys leading in life groups and, and all that list of things, of ministries. Man, we're just an eclectic people of the beauty of the mosaic of the body of Christ. And it is our joy to get everybody in the right place at the right time so that we can fulfill our apostolic call. So what does an apostolic call mean? In a very simple terms is we are called to be a missional people. We are called to keep the mission of God that his glory might be seen in all the earth, that Jesus might be exalted in every space and every place, here, there, and everywhere. That is the missional call. So our goal is to keep the apostolic call clear so that every other part of the body can function so we can stay on course with his purpose and plan. Today is one of those days, and again, back to this little card, when I'm asking you to check a box, it is not just because we need laborers for all these areas. And the answer is, of course we do. Yes, we need people to come alongside the kids. Yes, we need people reading the kids in stars. All these things are needs, but the bottom line is, it's a greater need for you than it is for we. And what I mean by that is, if you don't have a mission, you will not fulfill God's purpose for your life. 
you, your zeal for God will grow cold. It's a connected piece, passion and purpose. They go together. If you get into a lake that has no outlet, eventually the water gets funky. And everybody know what I'm talking about. You get too into me, my, and I, that water's gonna get funky pretty fast. That's why we create these opportunities for you to connect. So I encourage you, even if you're not sure, and even if you say, well, golly, I'm in such a bad place, how can I serve? Actually, your serving might get you to a better place. Because a missional community forms not just a, a one-way deal. It's not just you going and doing your volunteer piece. There's a community around you that when you do it together helps heal and restore and, and take care of things that just nothing else will. We are called to be an apostolic people. We unapologetically will plant churches. I, when we first started uh, Antioch, somebody said, does Waco need another church? This was 1999. And the answer was no, but Waco needs a church planting church. And we know that we are called to do this here in our city and uh, in our nation and around the world. Okay, so they were clear with their apostolic call. They humbled themselves consistently to one another as leaders to get the right people in the right place to do the right thing. Number six, they were a community of teaching and training. And when they had found Paul, he brought him to Antioch, speaking of Barnabas, and for an entire year they met with the church, taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So I want you guys to know, I want everybody to, to, to hear this, we love and teach the word of God continually around here. Literally every day we are, we are teaching the word of God. And we believe that unless the word of God is obeyed and applied, you cannot retain the best teaching in the world. You can have notebooks and notes, but you can't have a transformed life without obedience. So all of a, when we teach the Bible, you will hear us challenging you to do something. It's not because we're works-oriented. I'm not anxious about anything. You're so loved by God. If you never do anything the rest of your life, you're not going to be less loved by God because God can't be anything but himself. But if you don't obey God, you're not going to experience the kingdom and the joy of God. So we always are encouraging applying the word of God. So here are just a few little venues that we're constantly teaching. Sunday morning, we teach the word of God. Literally, we're going through numbers of verses today. The word's living and active. We believe that. And you'll hear from different teachers and different parts of our team to get the word of God in you. Then life group is paramount because in life group, it is not just what you should do. They're taking what we're doing on Sunday and saying, all right, now, how do I become Antioch? How do I become a little Christ? How do I share my faith. We're taking the word of God. We're reteaching it at a smaller level of accountability. Then we have Life U. You'll hear different courses that we cyclically go through, whether they are topical or whether they're uh, courses uh, um, in, in a general sense around uh, sexuality or marriage or family or parenting or worship, whatever those niche issues are, we have Bible teaching that we do for weeks on end, a place called Life U. And then the unique thing that we offer our city is we have Antioch Discipleship School, and that is where I say we take all of our values and we go 10x. We literally give you a year if they're in night school. We give you a half a year if you're in the day school where you get all these values and all the teaching and all the training. So I want to unup people of the word of God. We're people of the spirit of God and their daily opportunities to receive teaching, help, and encouragement. 
And what I would, maybe my one dad moment of exhortation, just to dip back around, and that is this. Hey, it is not a lack of knowledge that's keeping you from transformation. It is a lack of application. Just take the Bible, man. Read it. Do it. Just whatever you can. And let it start working its way through you. So these guys were teachers and trainers and appliers of the word of God. All right, number seven, they gave generously, this people of Antioch. Acts 11, 27 through 30. Now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the reign of Claudius and in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul uh, to the elders. Well, um, Back, if you guys remember the big uh, Harvey flood, hurricane and flood in Houston. Uh, well, uh, Matt Bono, who's now back with us, was on staff down in our Houston church, and he had a dream weeks before of a profound to him that he said, we've got to be prepared. And it wasn't that the leadership was inattentive, it's just like, 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 what do you want us to do? I mean, what do you think God's really saying to us just that we need to be prepared to be in the middle if there is a disaster, a hurricane, or a flood. Well, they were attentive. They were aware. And they began to, when the floods came, they had hundreds of us come from around the country and were big, incredible catalysts in the neighborhoods throughout Houston. Laura and I had the privilege of going down there and being a part of that. But wasn't it gracious of God to let us know ahead of time so that we could be prepared to engage, to give of our time and our resources. And we were able to see a beautiful testimony of the grace of God. Well, I want you to know in Matthew 24, God's already told us ahead of time. There will be famines, earthquakes, wars, and rumors of wars. These are the beginning of birth pangs. Let not our love grow cold, but let us be attentive to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to run to those places of famine, not away from them. In a very practical way, you'll see out in those 19 opportunities, just a few that I want to re-highlight. We saw that there was a challenge in our city, in our nation. There wasn't enough activation towards dealing with the sex trafficking issues, not only locally, but around the world. So we started Unbound several years ago. But that was a place of famine that we said we're going to give money, we're going to give our time to, and man, the beautiful testimony of the glory of God is amazing. Acts of Mercy, we started this many years ago in response to Matthew 24, 14, said, look, when a famine or an earthquake or a tragedy happens, we're going to run to it and not away from it. You just heard testimonies last week of what we're doing literally in Turkey. And by the way, one of our guys had sent me a dream three weeks before something bad's about to happen in Turkey. Do we have people there ready to go? Isn't that amazing that God would let us know ahead of time? So acts of mercy, by you connecting to that and getting the training, when activation happens, you can go on one of these teams. I want to encourage you to look into that, to give or uh, to go. But specifically, we have this other deal in our neighborhood. When we first moved into the neighborhood 20-plus uh, years ago, we realized that our, our elementary schools were the lowest uh, um, uh, on the uh, education scores. And we found out that if literally you'll read with a kid 30 minutes a week, their scores will go up by two to three to even five grade levels. And then that will allow them to succeed for 
for the rest of their lives. And so we started mentoring kids. You can give 30 minutes a week of your time. There is a famine of mentors in our city. There's a there's a need for mentors. And if you go and connect with our stars guys and say, hey, how can I be a mentor? 30 minutes a week, you can change somebody's life. What I know in this room is half of you guys don't feel like you're worth anything. You don't feel like you're needed. You don't feel like uh, you're valuable. Can I just tell you to some second grader right now, you're the most valuable thing in the world. And if you have the grace of God to do it, just a little bit of time, take a lunch break. If you'll give us 30 minutes a week, you'll not only be valuable, you'll transform lives. Isn't that amazing? That's who the church at Antioch is. We don't sit around when there's famine. We provide. We give generously. We step into the places of need, and we become active in our faith. That's what apostolic people do. That's what an apostolic church does. All right, number eight, they were multi-gifted and multicultural. I'm almost through, eight. Now there were at Antioch in the church, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. A lot of names, a lot of people here. But this is a couple of years later from Acts 11. This church is now happening. It's rocking and rolling. It's about to activate to go to the whole world. So God allows multiple gifts in multiple cultures and backgrounds. There are black men and women, brown skin, white Europeans. There are apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. There's a beauty of the mosaic of God gathered at this place called Antioch because the calling was to reach the beauty of the mosaic of the world. And that's the joy of this house. I love, I love, 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 love that we have people that are rich and poor and black and white and brown and up and down and all around. I, I love the beauty of this, com this community. And though there, of course, we focus in on every person being valuable. It's not because we have focused on the horizontals because we focused on the vertical. God, you want every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. We do too. And we're gonna love one another in the name of Jesus. And we wake up and there's a mosaic of the beauty of God. This is who we are, who we'll always be, because we're called to reach our city and the world. And I love it, love it, love it. All right, two more. They ministered to the Lord. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work which I've called them to. Then when they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they were sent away. This one you hear us talk a lot about. It is the most important, but I just want to touch on it just a moment. When we gather, you guys, we're coming to worship Jesus. We just, we just love him. It's enough just to worship. He's worthy. If you don't feel like worshiping or they didn't play your favorite song, there's no excuse. <laughs> Jesus is in the house. Lift your heart, lift your hands, worship him. He alone is worthy. These people at Antioch got that. He is worthy. They ministered to Jesus. Man, he, Jesus needs nothing, but when we give him worship, it brings him pleasure. Whoo! The God who needs nothing, you can bring pleasure to with a sacrifice of praise. Isn't that amazing? So when we do that, that's a beautiful thing. And for us, it's not just Sunday morning. It's not just life group. It's 24-7. We have a prayer room across the way. And you can stop by the place to get connected. How can myself and two or three people or 10 people get together, take one of our hour slots? Because we believe there needs to be constant praise and worship and intercession going up from this place for us to be the people of God that we're called to be.
Because when people fast, pray, and worship rightly, then you know what they do? They hear rightly. Which brings me to number 10. They listened and obeyed the Holy Spirit. God said, set apart for me, Paul and Barnabas have a work for them to do. In verse 3, Acts 13 says, Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And as we saw in our original outline, and they went, ultimately would plant 13 churches on a number of trips back and forth through Antioch, which would lay the groundwork and the catalyst for us being here today. This church in the book of Acts would continue to multiply around the world, has never been stamped out, can never be stamped out because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And in any generation, any group of people that picks the Bible back up and says, God, we want to live out your word again. Would you revisit us like you did Jerusalem and Antioch and Ephesus? Then God is faithful to do that for a people that want him. And that's what we signed up for to be his people, to be with him. And when we do that, we hear well. You'll hear well when worship and prayer and fasting. As we go on this 21-day journey, as Susan talked about, praying through this Ephesians 3 passage, I want to encourage you, pray it. Pray it individually. Pray it with your roommates. Pray it at every meal. And Take a day or more and fast with us. Several of us are going to be fasting throughout this next 21 days, different amounts of days. We're fasting and praying. Join us. Take one day and get some space for God. If you say, man, I'm not hearing God clearly right now, maybe you just take a day to fast and pray. Minister to the Lord and he will speak because he is not a God who is distant, but he is a God who is present. And he does not come to speak to the perfect, but he comes to speak to the imperfect. Whether you need correction, encouragement, or direction, God is not a silent God. So don't wait to be perfect to press in. Let's press in now. Hey, can we all stand together? I made that within my time by 55 seconds. Just want y'all to know that. Miracles, believe in the Holy Spirit, I believe, right. Hey, big card, everybody say big card. Here's what I need you to do. We're gonna do this right now. We're gonna do an Acts 13 moment. We're gonna say, Holy Spirit, where do you want me to live on mission in this community and outside of this community right now? You'll see multiple things here, different ways to engage. Many of them I have not mentioned but I just want you to just do this little exercise with me. Could you just close your eyes? Holy Spirit of God, thank you that <laughs> the same Holy Spirit that visited Antioch 2,000 years ago is here, activating this Antioch for your glory. Now, God, would you speak to your people right now? Would you speak to all of us? How do we connect with you? And it could be a very, as small as him just telling you that he loves you, encouraging your heart. But I want you to ask the question, God, and what is my mission in this moment? How do I connect with you? I'm just gonna give it 30 seconds. Spirit of God, just come and speak to our hearts.
Now as our prayer teams come to the front, if you'll just take a moment, look back down at that card and say, Holy Spirit, what are you highlighting? And a little checkbox, all that allows us to do is to give you information or you can go directly to one of the tables right after this, put that little tick mark and then you drop that in the bucket and or visit the table. And as we're finishing that up, I want to do one last deal. If you're in this room right now and you have need for prayer, obviously we've given multiple opportunities so far, but now it gets really personal. I need somebody to pray for me. I'm sick in my body. When we gather, we always pray for the sick in the name of Jesus. As I've often said, we've seen incredible miracles um, from eyes opening, deaf hearing, and at the very least, even if you don't see a miracle in your moment, you will be comforted and cared for in the name of Jesus. Our physical challenges are emotional, they're relational, they're physical, and it really takes each other to carry one another through these journeys. So if you need prayer for anything, just come. If you say, man, I'm in a tough spot, anxiety, fear, those things we talked about, man, let us come pray for you. Don't let anyone or anything keep you from getting prayer this morning. Um, And I want to ask you, just come. If you need prayer for anything in your life, if you know the person you're with needs prayer, say, come on, we're going to go on up there. But one last thing, as I promised earlier, we always preach the gospel. And if you're in the sound of my voice on this, on online, if you're in this room and you do not know Jesus, I want to take you to him right now. God loves you, has a perfect plan for your life. You were created for him. But your sin has separated you from God. God is holy. We are sinful. And there's a gap. And there's no way to get over that gap by our good works. There's no way to get over that gap by our own efforts. The only way that we could get to God was that God, that God would send Jesus to become a sacrifice. The way I look at it, it's like a bridge. Jesus, when he hung on a cross, took our sin on himself so that we might be able to come to God and be restored to the relationship we so long for. The Bible says, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. If you're a sinner today, if you feel burdened by your own sin, if you feel lost, Jesus became a sacrifice for you to forgive you fully and to make a way for you to come to God. If you need him and you want him today, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. And as I pray with my friends right now who don't know Jesus, if you do know Jesus, either could you just pray for somebody next to you or pray for somebody that doesn't know Jesus right now. We're either praying vertically or you're praying with me right now. If you need Jesus, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, if you need him, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. You're just acknowledging I can't get rid of my sin. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and make me new. I believe you died on the cross for me. You're acknowledging Jesus as the only Savior in the world. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. Just pray it back to God. And I believe you're making a way. You have made a way for me to come home. And so I come I come, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. I give my life to you, Jesus. I need you. I want you. I am yours. I give you my life and I give you my heart. 
And Lord, I pray for every man, woman, and child who's praying that prayer right now, for every mom or dad who's praying that for a son or daughter right now. We just come in agreement with those prayers, and we thank you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. We shall be saved. So God, I declare freedom from the power of sin and death by your doing, by your grace, right now, in Jesus' name. The guy's going to sing, seal God's work in our heart. Again, my encourage, if you need personal prayer for anything, come on. If you feel compelled to pray for somebody in the room, please do that. We'll take a few more minutes here and let God seal his work in our heart.